Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Record Celtic podcast. I'm Liam Bryce, and today I'm joined by Michael Gannon to discuss all the latest from Parkhead. On today's episode, we react to Celtic's Premier Sports Cup victory over Hearts and welcome a special guest ahead of Wednesday's Europa League playoff against AZ Alkmaar. Michael's spoken exclusively to Mikhail Duisberg, Exton Ferman, and Motherwell defender. Uh, but he's also been chief scout and a coach at AZ, and he now works for Ajax. Uh, but Michael, first of all, we'll uh, have a word about Sunday. Another victory for Celtic. Yet more goals flying in at the right end. Um, so, what, what was your take? What was your verdict? Three-two uh, win over Hearts. How did you? How did you see it? I, I don't think I've ever ever seen a match that has a, a less reflective scoreline in my entire life. Um, if you if you said someone that finished three-two, you think a kind of close run five goal thriller mm-hmm. but it could have been anything really I mean that especially in the, the first half I mean um, I mean the stats that were coming out at half time were incredible in terms of shots of goal possession I think it was 21 shots in goal possession. 5% possession in the first half and it was only it was only 2-0 it was 2 going on about 12 I think mm-hmm. um, it was a so it was a, it was a really comprehensive win I mean the, the Hearts goals put a different kind of slant on it but it was, it was a really emphatic victory um, I think at the end, so it might have run out of steam a little bit, mm-hmm. maybe understandably, because I've been playing at full pelt. That's was that four games, sixteen goals in four games. I think I'd make that. I'm um, starting to lose count. Um, right, right. Uh, and could have been a lot more, but it's it's starting to come together. I think. Uh, I think Sunday's game, the Hearts game, was quite a, a good one for Celtic. But I think it, it it kept the momentum going. A lot of positives. The attacking play was was sensational. But it's another reminder that, that there's work to be done uh, um, defensively. I think there's still a bit of fragility there and a bit of vulnerability that has to be ironed out. Um, so I think it, it, it was a good result in, in both sides for Celtic. It's a, it, I said a little reminder they're not cracked it yet. Yeah. Uh, they're still going the right direction. They'll, they'll keep that confidence and momentum um, going into to Thursday's game against Alkmaar. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, as you say, you know, there's still work to be done. Um, but obviously, Considering where we're Celtic were a fortnight ago, the kind of doom and gloom at Timecastle compared to where they are now, it's incredible how quickly the mood can change, isn't it? Yeah, people have bought into it, haven't they? I think um, I think the fans have kind of are, are, I can see what they're trying to do, what Ange Postecoglou is trying to achieve, and they've really bought into it because I think at the moment they're being entertained. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think tougher tests are ahead, including this one against AZ in particular. Um, but the punters are loving it. They're loving the, the, the kind of the swashbuckling style that he seems to be employing. It's it's high paced. It's it's good football. It's the balls in the deck. I think the the arrival of um, Kyogo Furuhashi has really kind of ignited everyone at the club. He seems to be a really infectious character that is rubbing off on everyone. Um, 
So yeah, I, I think that the fans are on board. Listen, it, it only, that only lasts as long as the results keep coming. Um, that's a that's always the way in, in football, and in something no different. Um, but I think as of the last fortnight, the, the punters have lapped it up because it has been pretty impressive, and it's been good fun to watch. I and mean, that's the thing; it's it's not they're not scratching results. And a lot of times when a club's rebuilding, you 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 have to be kind of pragmatic and you maybe scratch a few results and try and get some momentum that way. Yeah, not been like that. The Celtic they seem to have kind of gone in all guns blazing. Mm-hmm. I hope that it, that it clicked and it has clicked in the last week or so. Um, yeah. I need to maintain it, but it's um, but say that the fans are on board now. It's up to the, the side to maintain what they're doing. Yeah, but so, I mean, you know, they've kind of turned it. they starting to turn it around. With I mean, it's and as you say, Ange Postecoglou is looking for more signings, but as he, you know, the team at the moment is still sort of largely made up of you know guys who were in and around it last season. So what's what's been the key change that's is it the manager? Is it the is it what he's instilled in the players, or is it is it something else? I think it's a combination of all all of the above. I think I think he's I think the formation that he's got them playing in is something that maybe suits a lot of guys better. I think I think you look at the um, Brian, Brian Christie coming back into form, um, Tom Rogic, who listen a year ago we thought he was on his way to Qatar and taking kind a of semi retirement status in Qatar. Uh, he's come back this this last few weeks with a with a bang. It seems to be that, that, that these guys are, are enjoying the kind of the kind of. I'm not going to say the freedom because it's not sending players out and saying just do what you like because there's a yeah. there's a structure there. Um, but I think it maybe suits guys better. I think last year I think Celtic got a bit bogged down in formations as well, and and I, I was never convinced of the the, the four four two diamond that it was used a lot of times last season. I think it lost a lot in terms of we getting the two up front. I can understand why Celtic played two up front last year. But too often it was Edward and, and Christie or Edward or a Yeti was a kit about occasionally Griffiths. Um, sometimes Forrest played up there. It was, it was never really convincing that as a two. I mean, I think the midfield diamond didn't really work. I don't think it the best out of David Turnbull. I don't think, I don't think it the best out of Ryan Christie. I don't think it the best out of Callum McGregor. Um, whereas I think this 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 kind of this this kind of four three three with interchanging fullbacks and and uh, underlapping and all this kind of stuff. I think it has given Turnbull, Christie, Rogic a bit of freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, Furuhashi, I say, looks like a superstar in in, um, in progress. His movement is sensational. I think him and Edward up top would be quite formidable um, because they can they can rotate and interchange. I think that would be. I don't think they'll get a chance to do it for very often. Uh, unfortunately, I think Edward's future are still in serious doubt. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it does. It, it, it frees these guys up to play in a more attack-minded way that they maybe didn't get last year. Um, uh, listen, it's high risk. I still think it's a high risk way of playing. Mm-hmm. I still think that there the, the will be times when Celtic might end up in the end of a dull one or two, especially against the better teams. Yeah. They play. Uh, I think they'll clatter teams left, right and centre in the meantime, but they could end up on the end of a sore one as well. Uh-huh. But that's pretty much a modern way of playing, isn't it? You look at like even Jurgen Klopp's sides, Pep Guardiola teams, teams that play that way can get in the end up in the end of a sore one now and again. A battering now and again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, ben and Rogers teams as well. Uh, yeah. These are the modern kind of coaches. They do seem to be that, that 
when it's when it does go wrong, it can be right very risky. Uh, I think Celtic are, are high risk, but it's definitely entertaining. That's 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 for sure. Well, well, does it concern you at all that they still did ship two goals against Hearts on Sunday, or was it just you know you, you said earlier on it wasn't a fair reflection on how the game actually panned out? No, um, I think there were instances that, that, that probably could be avoided. Um, I think that, that I mean, it wins a penalty kick can happen. Uh, I think there were maybe concentration issues, the goals, more than anything else. I think they switched off for a second. Um, I've got a degree of sympathy. Listen, I know some some fans are thinking that they haven't been that impressed with the Carl Starfelt so far, and he's had a couple of dodgy moments. Um, I think you've got to give the guy a bit of a break. He's, I mean, he's thrown right in at the deep end. Um, very little kind of base or training behind him at the club when he's played games. All he's done is played games, really. Mm-hmm. There's been a couple of little slip ups. I don't think it obviously wasn't great for the, for the second goal. Um, but I think you've got to cut him a bit of slack. I mean, the guy's just been launched right into the team. Um, and I think he's. I think he'll he'll, he'll improve as, as time goes on. Um, because he's, he's learning on the job. I mean, they're all. I mean, the new signs have all been thrown in straight away. In an ideal world, that wouldn't be the case. They'd be kind of, um, kind of gradually weaved into the side. But the club has not had that option. He's had to launch them straight in. Yeah. Uh, guys like Furuhashi have accepted that challenge and, and, and really hit the ground running. Yeah. felt not quite yet hit the ground running, but um, it might be that that when the heat's on, you might the concentration level might be improved as well. Yeah. He's, he's played games against teams that, that Celtic we expect to beat. In the last kind of few weeks, um, but maybe when the, the, the heat is on, the Alkmaars and the old firm game coming up as well, that might focus the, the, the tension a lot more as well. So you yeah. you'll get those kind of little slip ups because you can't afford those ones. Whereas yeah. when you're three one up and potentially should be six one or seven one up, yeah. you can switch off a wee bit. So uh, aye. so I wouldn't be I wouldn't be jumping off um, jumping down in panic over yeah. that one just yet. But I still think the defence does need to look at uh, yeah. looked at. I think you could argue that as far as bedding in periods go, there's maybe there's less leeway given to defenders than there is attackers looking for goals at the other end, whereas defenders generally find themselves on a bit more they end up a bit more scrutiny if it's kind of errors because they tend to be a bit more high profile. Well, as you say, he probably just needs a bit of he can only only be judged, sorry, when he's had a bit more time to bed in. Um well, now, as promised, I'm going to hand over to Michael uh, as he speaks exclusively uh, to Mikel Duisberg ahead of Celtic's Europa League qualifier against EZ. Uh, Mikel is obviously former Dunfermline and Motherwell defender, but he's also been chief scout and coach at EZ, and he now works for Ajax. Obviously, a lot of uh, fans in Scotland know you from your time at Motherwell, Dunfermline, um, but obviously in Holland, you're, you're now... Is that, you're a... a Coordinator with Ajax, a scout coordinator? Yeah, coordinator scouting of Ajax, first team, reserve team. And uh, together with our head of scouting, Henk Veldmaten and Mark Overmars uh, and Gerry Hamstra. He joined us on uh, a couple of months ago from Heerenveen as the, the technical manager for the academy and, uh, and the reserve team. Yeah, we, 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 we run the first team, more or less. Obviously, Mark is the technical director, the technical, de- the technical manager is obviously responsible for everything. But on scouting part, together with Hank, we're responsible for the for the first team. Well, well, I, I thought we would maybe obviously talk about your career a bit more in depth a bit later on. But Michael, I think the best place for us to start maybe is Celtic's result on on Thursday night. Um, 
in the, the Europa League third round qualifying. Uh, a really big win for Ange Postacoglu. Yeah, it was a, a thoroughly professional performance after the first leg, um, 4-2 victory in the Czech Republic, and they got the job done in, in pretty uh, straightforward fashion. And it now sets up next week nicely against uh, AZ Alkmaar. Obviously, Mikel knows very, very well. Um, it's an in- intriguing tie. It looks like a very, very tough tie for Celtic. They couldn't really get a much tougher tougher test at that stage, I think, than Alkmaar. But I'm, I'm sure uh, Mikel will, will fill us in and tell us uh, just how tough it will be. But um, they look a very tough side. Difficult draw for Celtic. They're, they're starting to play well just now. They've, they've clicked into gear in recent weeks. There's still a long way to go before I think they are, they're, they're back up to speed properly. But they're, they're showing signs of, of life. Uh, 13 goals in a week is a, is a very positive um, seven days. So they're, they're, in, they're in good fettle going into this, this week. But uh, like I say, it'll be a, a tough old test, as um, I'm sure Michael will, will tell us. Um, I think so, yeah. What, can I ask, Michael, obviously, um, Alkmaar, we know them through the years. They've, they've been a, a, a solid side in, in Holland. But in recent times, they've, they've finished second and third. And Eredivisie, they seem to have really raised a level in recent times. Is, is that the case? Correct. Um, when when COVID starts, they were uh, equal with Ajax on on, on, the, on the number one spot. But on goal difference, Ajax yeah, finished as number one, not as champion, because they didn't uh, the Dutch FA didn't uh, uh, pronounce the, uh, a champion, but the number one and two and. AZ uh, challenged it a little bit in court or trying to get in court about because we beat Ajax twice in the league. That's why on that ground we should be number one. And obviously, uh, uh, I was not happy with it because I'm working at Ajax now. But but I can understand a little bit why. Because, you know, qualifying for Champions League straight away is 40 million euros. And, 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 uh, and otherwise, they need to go to the playoff, obviously against Celtic now, to qualify for the group stage uh, of Europa League. Will gain more money instead of the say the conference league. So, money-wise, I can uh, I could understand their 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 decision, but at the end, you know that 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 you know everybody knew it's goal difference. So yeah, even if you beat us ten times, but if you're not number one on goal difference, you're not. Uh, but they're they're a very uh, uh, strong side. Although they sold over the last week week and a half, yeah, three very important players and. Uh, I, 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 will, I will think that they will sell one or two in the coming weeks as well. Well, I was going to say there that the, the team from last year that, that finished third in the in the league uh, got to the last 32 in the Europa League also. Um, but they seem to have sold their main striker, Myron Bodu. Yeah. Um, obviously, a lot of money involved as well, going to France, hasn't he? How, how big a blow will it be to lose these guys? They seem to be their, their star players. Yeah, these are the boys, and, and still with Dan Koopmeiners, who's still at the club, that's the captain, uh, left-footed midfielder who can play as a centre-back as well. Uh, Owen Weindahl, uh, 99, Tony's 98, born. Uh, um, these boys are at AZ from 10, 11, 12 years old. Um, so they know the club in and out, and, and now they're at the point, yeah, they played one or two years in the first team, done really well, and now they sold for, for quite com- some good fees. Yeah, they will. They will miss the, the the automatisms. They will miss the 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 feeling, the spirit. These boys know what it is to play for AZ. Uh, although the replacements, uh, if you're looking at Carlson, who both came in from Sweden last year, was also quite quick and pacey. Hakon Fien, they already have at the club a year and a half as well from 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 Norway. Youth international players. Uh, Carlson is already made to the to the to the national team of, of Sweden, the 18. So they got quite good replacements already lined up. 
uh, which they always do because that's part of the philosophy of AZ as well. Uh, um, so, so, so they will miss these players. But on the other hand, if you see the results, you know that they, they beat Torino. They they have some excellent uh, preseason results as well. I saw quite a few of the games, and then you can't even notice that they are weakened by by, uh, by selling these players. Well, I was going to say the model has been so successful that they bring them through and, and play them for a few seasons and sell them for a lot of money. Yep. I think things in, in Bordeaux were forty million euros to their, their two moves to France. Um, but like you say, they beat Real Sociedad, they beat Torino. They're not really taking a backward step despite these sales, have they? Um, how do you see? I mean, I don't know much you see about Celtic these days, but how do you see the matchup next week? Uh, it's very interesting. Um, I probably going to visit the, the, the home match on the 26th, I think it is. Um, uh, I think it's going to be a tight game, though, because I know, obviously, I know the atmosphere in. in is there already a lot of people, a lot of crowd in the stadiums? Yeah, the the, the Jablonic um, tie in Glasgow was the first time with a full house uh, back at Celtic, so they're now now back to full capacity. So it'll be a sixty thousand sellout in, in Glasgow. Uh, I wondered as well once with Motherwell, so it's not too uh, zero one at midweek. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but the, the, the atmosphere at Parkhead is is is. Is far beyond, is, is, and that will help them definitely. You know, the the the, 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 the I think is one of the best stadiums I've ever played in, uh, sold house. That that's going to help them. So that's why it's very interesting that there are crowd in the in the stadiums. But it's going to be a tight game. You know, the pace and the power and the passion of, of the Scottish football. I think that the technical side and then the, yeah, the, the 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 passing game of the Dutch ones is is also uh, uh, known. They want to play very offensive. Uh, AZ, they want to give high pressure. I don't think they will adapt too much to the opponents. They will never do. They even don't do it in the arena in, in Amsterdam. Uh, they, they, they're just trying to play their own game with high, fullbacks high up, uh, put pressure on the build up, and, and yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to the game. So, uh, can they uh, outplay the pressure of Celtic? Can they can they stand the atmosphere? Uh, it's going to be nice to watch. Mikael, just for, for any, obviously, Celtic fans listening, we've talked a little bit about the atmosphere at Celtic Park, but obviously you're a, you're a former EZ player as well. Um, what, what's the atmosphere like uh, in EZ Stadium? I know it's not as big as Celtic Park, but... No, they, they increased the capacity. I don't know if you know about the roof falling down last year. Yeah. Uh, that's that's the last year. Left by the storm, so lucky enough, no, no people inside. Uh, they renewed the whole stadium now. There's a new roof. They closed the corners. I think the capacity increased from 17.4 until 19. I think it is 19 or 20 now. I don't don't think it will be sold out. I don't think it's allowed. We start the league this weekend and two-thirds of the total capacity is allowed. So there won't be a sold-out stadium. Uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's an okay stadium. It, it's totally not comparable with... Um, a sold-out Ajax Arena, uh, a sold-out PSV Stadium or a sold-out Final Stadium because they've got so much more capacity. But also noise-wise, it's, it's, it's no way near uh, uh, Parkhead or, or Ibrox. It, when I was looking at um, little clips on, on YouTube and what have you, it reminded me a little bit of maybe like a, a Tyne Castle or an, a, an Easter Road, yeah. know, quite tight. And, yeah. you know, maybe not the loudest, but it doesn't look like it'd be the easiest place for Celtic to go. No, no, but behind one of the goals are the, yeah, I say the 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 the, the, the diehard supporters. 
they, they make quite some noise. But on the rest of the stand, it's it's um, um, it, it's okay. It's it's it, again, you know, I played in a full parkhead, in a full Ibrox, and it's nowhere near the sound. And in Tynecastle Square, this is a bit curved. The stadium, this one is a bit 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 curved. Mm. But it, yeah, it's similar like like Tynecastle, and uh, they're quite okay on the pitch. But but it's it, it's not. Um, for the Celtic players, it's not something to be really scared of. I wish it was different, but yeah, that's the way it is. They've got, they've got a lot of really talented young players. We see a, a famous name on the books as well, a famous uh, father. Son of. Son of, yeah. Um, the name that jumps off the page when you see it. Uh, is it Maxim Hullet is, uh, in, on the books? Yeah, Maxim, yeah. I was yeah. responsible for bringing him in, more or less, when I was uh, head of youth scouting and head of scouting at AZ uh, back three, four years ago. Is, is he a big prospect? I mean, obviously he's a, a big name to live up to, but um, he's a defender. Am I right in saying he plays in defence? Left, 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 left back. Left, left back. back. With, with a lot of pace. He's, he's a big boy. He's, he's moving a bit wild and and and, and uh, uh, he's an okay player. I don't think he will start a game. He's not a starting eleven at the moment. He's still young. Yeah. But, uh, uh, and and to be honest, I don't expect him that he's got the same qualities of his dad. Um, not many do. No, correct because he was top top, but yeah. but he's, he's he's I think he he will have a nice future ahead. Who are, who are the guys that, that Celtic should be wary of? I mean, I know that the, the fullback uh, Wendell is is the one who are people looking at. The, the, is it the left back? He won't be playing. He won't be playing. No, he he, he didn't even train one full session f- from the European Championship. So I I think that uh, Pascal Janssen will not be happy with me at the moment, but. Uh, Celtic obviously sent some scouts as well, some analysts yeah. to the game, so they probably know. And they've never seen him in the in the starting eleven for the last uh, from the European Championship with the national team. I think he's got something with the groin injury; he's not fully recovered. But uh, I think that the, the the best qualities of, of of AZ is their offensive game, and then uh, the offensive midfielder and the strikers. They've got a lot of pace, a lot of movement. Um, they miss at Bowadu, who is really fast, but they got Pafidis now. Uh, up front, the boy from Greece, they bought him from Willem II, uh, scoring a lot of goals with Willem II as well. So he needs to gel in a little bit more. Uh, now I think he will play with uh, Abu Klal and Efien of Carlson and Efien. Uh, they didn't play, Carlson did play a lot of games last year, but Efien didn't. He's now coming in. So it's not a game who's already playing 15 games together, uh, a squad. So uh, they, 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 they're still in... in, in uh, settling the the, 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 the squad. Mikel, have you had much of a chance to, to look at Celtic under Ange Postacoglu? No, no, no. We, we, the Scottish market is not our uh, one of the priority markets for, for say, for Ajax, scouting-wise. So, obviously, I follow the results and I obviously know the, 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 the end of the season last year was... Uh, 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 my, my best friend is Arthur Newman, so I'm, I'm a little colored as well in, the, in that point of view. So uh, for me, it was a, a nice season last year, but I think it's good for Scottish football that that that, that ranges back on 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 more or less close to the level it was before they got uh, got relocated and got the problems. And I think that that will lift the level in Scotland. And uh, and uh, but I haven't I haven't seen them uh, play much. No, I, only the results and uh, not nothing. Uh, Nothing uh, game-wise, I think because, he does. Because that's, I, I was going to ask, obviously, in your current role at Ajax, obviously, obviously 
Scotland, we were uh, fortunate enough to qualify for the Euros for the first time in what feels like a million years. Um, Scotland finally, look, you know, we've got some promising young players. And I wondered if it was a market that a club like Ajax would look at um, or, you know, do any scouting or... But obviously yeah, the national teams, that, that's... that's uh, the national teams were there, you know, if, as soon as the, the qualifications on the 17 starts or the under the under 19s, eh? normally you had the group stages always. Um, uh, that's where we are definitely. So if there if there should be a talent, then then obviously we know where we pick him up. So, yeah, but that's the they the, say the, the professional youth scouting, and we've got the professional scouting. That's that's from it's now 2003 upwards. That that's our uh, responsibility and the, the youth academy, the professional youth scouting. They take everything from 2000, 2003 and younger, and they will they will travel a lot to these these tournaments and qualification uh, tournaments. Uh, you're you're now at the home of uh, total football, but in Scotland it's more like total chaos. But um, <laughs> can, can I actually reflect on your your time in, in, in Scotland, Michael? I mean, you're part of a, a Dutch invasion at the end of the nineties and two thousands. It seemed to be every team had two or three Dutch guys in their, in their squad. Um, what was it like? Your experience? How much did you enjoy being in Scotland? Yeah. <laughs> I won't tell you it's my second uh, my, my second home yeah? but but uh, I told you before we started you know we visit uh, Glasgow every every uh, every Christmas uh, for, for the Christmas night out uh, together with Arthur and the French we build up over the years Arthur stayed so much la- so much years longer in, in Scotland so and every time you know arriving at Scotland and driving uh, to the city centre it's, 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 it, it feels like a bit of coming home right so 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 Enjoyed our time so much. Uh, my son was two, was nine weeks, and my daughter was two and a half when we moved. So uh, uh, the ice and the velocities and the and the and all the, all the slang that was brilliant after four years when we left. And and yes, there was a, quite a big Dutch, uh, big, big big Dutch, uh, uh, yeah, a lot of Dutch Dutch players. The the, the the second game or the third game of the season we played with Mother was at Ibrox. And there were five Dutchies on one side. Uh, there were three at Motherwell. Yeah. That was uh, Jantje Michels was the right winger, Robbie Matai, the right midfielder, and myself was the right back against Arthur Newman, Giovanni van Bronckhorst, and Neil McCann. So that was the... And we got beat, I think, a few minutes before the end because one of the strikers trying to defend as well. Uh, strikers can't defend. <laughs> Made a handball. The penalty, Jorg Alberts. The, the, he pinged him in, so we got beat 2-1. Was it, was it a bit of a culture shock for you coming to Scottish football? I mean, it's um, it's not quite the same game as you've been used to in kind of Holland and growing up. A little bit more fast and frantic, I'd imagine. What was your first impression? Yeah, I, I, I loved the type of football. Uh, I think my best qualities was were that I knew exactly what I, I, I couldn't do and what I could do. And, and, and I needed to fight and work hard and, and dive into tackles and... and and I was okay on the ball. So so the, the type of play in Scotland uh, suited me very good. Uh, I even played a centre-half. I'm one, one metre 80. But I was quite explosive. I could quite uh, good timing and jumping. So I loved my, my, my battles against the, the big boys up front. And, and uh, yeah, the passing game from behind. And yeah, I, I, I really, really enjoyed my time. It was quite an exciting time in Scotland as well. There was there was some money going around, and um, the Champions League was at that point um, coming in as well. And I think Celtic uh, beat Ajax in two thousand. I think at that time you might have been at Dunfermline with with Jimmy Calderwood, right? And saying 
I was in the game as well because uh, Rafa van der Vaart was dating my niece in that period. Wow. So I picked up the family van der Vaart and I, I drove them to the hotel in, in, in the Celtic. So my uncle was there as well. And uh, so, so that was the moment when I started uh, catching up with Rafael. And uh, yeah, that, was just, that was that period. You, Michael, obviously mentioned there that Jimmy Calderwood, he's a bit of a, a cult figure in Scottish football. What was it like being managed by him? <laughs> yeah, brilliant. I remember he calling me. I was, I was, I was, I was, I was, uh, I had a dispute with my former coach, Billy Davis, uh, why I was out of the squad. And we played, um, we played the Rangers at, at Ibrox. And I was obviously in a stand. And when I walked to the car, my car was parked on the side. I stayed over in the Cooper Suite, uh, waiting for Arthur to come in, and and I, we walked out together with with uh, with Dick Advocaat. Now, Dick Advocaat was my first coach at Haarlem. That was Dick's first professional job. Uh, Dick was my coach in the national team in Holland under 18, so I knew Dick quite well. Uh, Arthur knew him very well because he's, I, I think he was they they, they tell him he's his his second father, Dick Advocaat. Uh, so we walked into the to the car and then Dick asked me, he knew my situation because of Arthur, that, that I was out and had problems with the club. Did and, and then he asked me, should I call Jimmy Calderwood? He said, Dunfermline, maybe maybe he can use you. That was in January, February. So um, And he did. So Jimmy called me on a Monday or Tuesday and uh, on the phone and he says, yeah, yeah, no, we talked about the situation. I said, do you think it's okay that if you come up to see the game? Then I played with the reserves of Motherwell against... I don't know anymore. And I was horrendous. It was, and I knew that Jimmy was there with, with Jimmy Nickel. They were in the stand watching me. I was absolutely... And I knew... Oh. And, and after the game, he called me. He says, hey, uh, we watched the game. And uh, so I thought he's going to say, <laughs> we're not going to do it. And he says, do you want to join Dunfermline? Yeah, brilliant. So so that was first division back then. And um, so I, I, I moved... After a year and a half, I moved to Dunfermline who was in a race for promotion. Mm-hmm. And my first game was Falkirk away in the old stadium. That was also, that, I can't, as, as the day is yesterday, we drove up with the bus and I asked the guys, guys, where's the stadium? <laughs> we were next to the stadium. There was, I don't know, yeah, you, you guys know. So I, I, you did the old stand and old, we won the game and eventually we got promoted to Dunfermline because we should go. We should have gone into the playoffs, but with Aberdeen and with I think it was Falkirk. That's right. Yeah, it was Falkirk. Yeah. And Falkirk didn't have the stadium. Yeah. Which was allowed to play in the Premier League, so there were no playoffs, and we got promoted straight away. So then I enjoyed my year and a half again afterwards in the Premier League with with Jimmy, and Jimmy was Jimmy was brilliant. Jimmy was brilliant. You know, you come in and you you needed to sit down for due to your contract, and he. He wrote it on a small and he just and, and, and he turned it over and he pushed it forward and no <laughs> and twice back and forth and it's okay, shake hands and I make up the contract and brilliant. Excellent, absolutely brilliant. It, it's funny, we went to um, pre-season with Aberdeen uh, a few years ago when Jimmy was manager at Aberdeen. We went to Holland and everywhere you went, Jimmy was was mobbed like a like a celebrity in Holland. Because obviously he spent a lot of his career uh, as a player over there. And everywhere he went, autographs, high fives. He was um, a big celebrity in Holland, and obviously his Dutch is, is perfect as well. Um, but it was, I was, he was enjoying it. I think he, I think he quite enjoyed it as well. We had pre-season in Holland in Delta. 
then Vermeulen. Jack De Gier was, was played for us as well. You know, he, he was there for a couple of months. He uh, and 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 we Jimmy always booked, I think, preseason in Holland. Yeah, and the last night before the flight was back uh, went back to Scotland. We stayed in Amsterdam. Uh -huh. So so and then the boys were allowed to go out into city <laughs> after preseason five days in Magaluf. And, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, what a, what a, but that was the kind of coach you know he, he the atmosphere in the, in, in the squad was absolutely brilliant he, he created an atmosphere that even the substitute players or even the everybody was, was fired up you know the team talks after the game you need to be on your toes because you knew he's going to ask four or five players even the Dutchies because at the end Rob Matai was playing there Marco Ruitenbeek came in and he, he asked us as well no, what do you thought about the game so you need to over the weekend after the game you knew I need to I need to think about what went wrong what went okay and and then oh yeah that was Jimmy and and during training it was it was it was always 100% and, and absolutely loved him I heard you know I know that he's not doing so well uh, I'm in the the ex-DAFC groups app with uh, with the boys from back then And, and and they they have a lot of contact with with Jimmy and they they, they meet him when they go over him. But I heard that he's uh, uh, yeah not doing really okay. That's a pity to hear. Yeah, he's a, he's a big character in, in the Scottish game. We all we all uh, we all know him well and uh, appreciate him. It's, um, but obviously we're, we're we're talking about Celtic in this podcast. And oh, Jimmy's not Jimmy's not the most favourite person at, at Celtic. <laughs> um, No, I know. We used to we used to joke about his Union Jack pajamas and all that stuff, and he's um, <laughs> also uh, his affiliation. But um, and just in terms in, in terms of that, what, what do you remember playing at Celtic Park in your playing days? Can you remember uh, much about going there? Um, obviously, yeah. Millwall think Celtic were maybe struggling at the time, weren't they? Um, and then yeah, I, I played there as well when 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 Andy Gordon was in goals at Motherwell. So. We didn't have the best. Uh, a big fans' favorite. No, no, no. <laughs> we, 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 we. <laughs> the, the goalie said in the bus, "Hey, bus driver, can you park the bus up at the 18 yard box? Can you drop me off at the 18 yard box?" Is <laughs> <laughs> uh, shouting? So we well, obviously it's Celtic. Celtic, you have the. Oh, we jumped off the bus, and you need to go. Oh, <laughs> big rifle, yeah. yeah. No, but it, it, it was always, to be honest, I was quite impressed. Obviously, my first year, you played uh, four times against each other. Um, so, so eventually, when you you played it twice a season and a second, you know what to expect. But, but the first, but it was also the first game at Ibrox and the first game at Parkhead, and, and absolutely impressive. And uh, uh, yeah, if 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 it's or if it's never walk alone, or if it's uh, uh, Tina Turner. And you're simply the best, and if for all the people, you know, and and still, you know, if if uh, we don't mind, eh? don't don't forget me wrong, eh? Celtic or Rangers, you know, we don't care about the backgrounds and and the rivalry. Why I love football and I love these kind of clubs and these songs with that atmosphere in these stadiums, well, goosebumps. I still have goosebumps if these these if these teams play big games and I watch it and and. Absolutely magnificent, and it was back then playing on that pitch felt me really privileged that I was uh, around my 30s still, that I could play these kind of games. Sorry, Michael. Sorry, <laughs> didn't mean to cut you off there. But I was just going to ask Michael, um, 
I'm trying to work out who at Celtic you would have played against as a defender. So Henrik Larsson, I think obviously you'd have come up against, maybe Mark Viduka as well, players like that. I mean, it seems like an obvious question, but Larsson would have stood out, I imagined. But is there any other players yeah. that stood out? Larsson was always known as a, as a friendly, nice guy, and, 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 and but on the pitch he was. He, I remember once he kicked me out of the game. I had a scratch, I think, from my from my hip until my calf, and it was always was always was always nice to to play against these guys. And the game we won, I was mentioned earlier on. We we, we beat them one nil nil one at Parkhead. That was when he was broke. That was the season that he broke his leg. Wow. He was out. Uh, uh, and and uh, so so to be honest, when when he was injured, yeah, that was Celtic thirty percent, forty percent less. Than, than when they had him in the squad. So uh, I, I felt the luck that I uh, drove away with three points once in an official game at Parkhead. But I will never, never, ever forget that atmosphere in, the, uh, in, in, in that stadium. In terms of the current AZ side, I mean, it's a young side. Is there a potential for them to be intimidated by the atmosphere next yeah. week? Yeah. Yeah, because to be honest, they play in Europe every. Sorry. No, it's a bit of a cliche, I know, but is that is that is that a factor next week? It can be, yeah, definitely, because they also play with players who are not a regular starter over the last couple of years. That the boys who are used to play the last two years are known of European football, and they've done really well in Europe as well with a very young squad, with an inexperienced squad, but. Uh, uh, they, they brought some younger boys in. Some, there's quite some boys coming through the youth, from the youth academy again within the squad. I think if you, if you ask the, the I think they have, I think that 60, 70 percent of the the total first team squad is is homegrown, it's from the academy. Uh, so so and these boys are definitely are not used to playing in these kind of circumstances. So that can that can be an issue. Yeah, cause, I, mean, I think the European nights are always a little bit different to the domestic football as well because there seems to be an extra bit in the atmosphere sometimes, yeah. um, especially at Celtic and Ibrox as well. And the European nights are the ones that, that fans look forward to the most, I think, um, and creating that kind of excitement and atmosphere that, that, that in theory should help their own team and maybe intimidate the, the other one, uh, especially if they're young, like you say, they're a young side that might be something they have to deal with on the evening. Yeah, yeah. definitely. So, so uh, the, the first game is going to be vital uh, result-wise as well. A little bit of luck for them, I think, that the European away goals is not not included anymore. So, so, but yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it, I think it's fair to say. I, I don't know what you would think, Michael, but if Celtic go out to AZ Altman, it's a little bit of a disaster. Obviously, they would go into the, the Conference League. We know that, but it would be a blow to Celtic when when AZ start the season. What is their Kind of European aims. We know that obviously Ajax have ambitions um, historically to, to do well in Europe, but AZ obviously a slightly smaller club. Are they the same? I, I know that their their goals every year is to qualify for Europe. That's what they they go into as as a, as a goal se- uh, as a season goal. You know what what we and obviously now with the Conference League, yeah, we call it European football. But yeah, if you ask me. I think a little bit about the, the yeah, the, the, you know, you got Champions League and you got Europa League, and then the Conference League is a little bit for I okay, you 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 you, you well, for you you can you can go in there and 
I don't have the, the the real feel about European football with the Conference League. So and that's what the feeling I have with AZ as well. You know, they they have two games, one opponent, so the playoff games. So they qualified third in the league, done really well. But because of the coefficient points and and yeah, we, we we don't have two uh, uh, Champions League straightaways, we need to qualify first. And uh, uh, they will be really disappointed, AZ, if they don't uh, go through as well. So if you're looking at the the the, the fixture, then then you everybody knows Celtic as a much bigger club history-wise, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But if you're looking at the stats in Europe, don't uh, don't uh, don't count uh, AZ out. You know they 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 can do you really harm if they if they can can play their game, if they can put the ball down and play the passing game and overlap with the fullbacks and. A lot of the, the position changes, and and then they can they can they can hurt Celtic for sure. I, I was actually going to ask ask you, Michael, that going into um, the AZ the first leg, an important factor could be if Celtic add to the squad. I mean, between now and then, uh, Ange Postecoglou was asked um, after the game on Thursday, you know, whether or not intended. He said that they were working behind the scenes, doing everything they could. But I think it's fair to say they still need a couple of recruits. Oh, still four or five players short. Celtic, I mean, they've got by so far and they've done okay. Some of the new guys have hit the ground running, but they still need four or five kind of first-team um, players in the squad. So, yeah, they're, they're a bit short yet. Uh, the squad's very light. Um, a couple of injuries could really hamper them as well. So, no, I think they do need more. Um, defence, still question marks about defence. As Michael was saying, that AZ will attack them. I think that Celtic will be a little bit worried about that because Celtic defensively look they've gone looked good going forward their their, their movement and, and speed going forward is, is impressive but defensively still question marks look vulnerable um, especially on the break I mean Michael was saying that they're a pacey side that can hit in the counter as well so that could be a danger for Celtic next week I think um, if if EZ do choose to play a certain way they could hit in the break um, Celtic play a high risk. Kind of play a football, this kind of high press and high risk game, fullbacks attacking, inverting. And so it's 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 poised that could be a, could be a thrilling encounter of these matches. It sounds to me that it could be a, a high scoring affair these, these two games. Um, yeah, I don't I don't I don't think they both will uh, step back from their the way of play and the philosophy. You know, maybe maybe five yards higher up or, or dropping a little bit, but nothing more because that's the way they want to play. That's also within the, the philosophy and the vision of AZ is, is play offensive football with guys from the side, overlapping and inside. Eh? Now, the fullbacks go not only outside, but they also dive inside. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's, it's similar a little bit like, like how Ajax uh, uh, plays. Uh, and, and then obviously you take a lot of risk because yeah, you play with a lot of space in your back. So if you've got pace up front, yeah, then you need to be really careful. So the defenders, is, uh, they need to be up to toes as well. Yeah, it sounds like they're, they're, good, they're a good match. They're very similar in styles at the moment. That sounds pretty similar to the way Celtic are playing just now. It'll be interesting. Yeah, it should be a good tie. I think um, maybe a lot of goals. Not not a, not a great night for us journalists trying to report on it. No, mm-hmm. A busy, hectic night full of goals, but we'll see. It should be enjoyable. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Before before we finish, Mikael, this is, this is incredibly unfair and I'm going to put you on the spot. I know you've not really seen Celtic, but as a former player in Scotland, as a former EZ player, who would you tip to come out on top? I would tip EZ. Yeah? Yeah, I would tip EZ. Yeah. I haven't seen Celtic so much, but 
Uh, obviously, I've I've been at four I've been at AZ four years as a player and fourteen years as a as a coach as head of youth scouting, head of scouting, and so uh, the the the, the, the technic, technical director Max is is very close to me. Uh, as a player, I played with him. As a coach, we were coaching, we were scouting. So I know the club. Arthur Newman is working for AZ as a scout, so he's my best friend. So I've got I've got a lot of affection with AZ. So. But also uh, looking at the professional side, and do I really think that they can? Uh, oh, oh yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, I think I think as you as you said, Michael, I think goals goals are plenty. Will be be coming next week. Um, Michael, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. Th- thank you so much. Um, it was a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, thanks for joining us, Michael. That was, that was great. Thank you for um, entertaining us for for so long. It was great. <laughs> no problem, Michael. Um, hopefully you can get to Scotland soon as well um, these, oh, yeah. these restrictions are lifted and you get back to um, your, your night yeah. out in Glasgow oh yeah <laughs> otherwise we take the bike we go by boat and take the bike <laughs> we'll do this podcast in person oh yeah no problem <laughs> um, as I say it's been a pleasure Michael thank you very much um, and we'll be back next week with another Record Celtic podcast